Welcome to episode two of the Robot and the Moose podcast. So today we're going to talk about music, making music and learning how to make music and what's our favorite music. So I wanted to start off by asking you what your favorite genre of music is. I don't really have a favorite genre. I kind of just like random artists and random songs. The only genre I don't like is death metal, but any any other genre I like pretty much. And I don't really like for, for the longest time, I didn't even know what EDM meant. <laughs> but now it's kind of growing on me. I definitely like EDM. I like death metal. Some of the screamo stuff I'm not really into. That's though. yeah, maybe I am extrapolating death metal to too many different things. Like uh, the thing that I don't like is screamy stuff. Oh, in my case I can't touch country. I actually I can't do it. I quite like country. I don't know I'm, why. I am proud of you for <laughs> being better than me. That entire genre. It just ends up like grading me for some reason. Mm. Is it the banjo? Can't stand it. Nope. It's the it's it's just sort of everything combined. A lot of people don't like country. I know all all three of my siblings absolutely hate it. We all independently came to the conclusion that we hate country, and I it's the most bizarre thing. It's weird that it's 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 like common across a like a biological level, you know, <laughs> like we didn't. We didn't all have some equally bad experience with country. Like, we found our tastes to be that we all hate country. It's, it just found that to be a weird pattern. Country hating gene. That's what that is. Yes, it must be some... It must be genetically controlled. Obviously. No other explanation. No. It's like the coriander thing. Oh, I am hilarious. Coriander? Oh, so coriander apparently... I don't know if it's a gene, but I learnt not too long ago that some people just absolutely can't stand the taste of coriander. And this only applies to some people. Oh, Do I know? I okay, coriander is cilantro in American knees. Oh, yeah, yeah cilantro. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah, it tastes like soap to some people. Yeah. All right, yeah. so the next question I was going to ask is what instruments can you play? I can sort of play guitar. Really? I suppose I can mainly sing if you would class that as an instrument. That is it. About as it's musical. The only thing I can say I can confidently do is sing. Anything beyond that is pretending. But now you have a 3D printed guitar. I do have a 3D printed guitar, but having a 3D printed guitar and knowing how to play said guitar, two very different things. Are they? What uh, what guitar training did you have? Did you take lessons growing up? Or Yeah, so I took like classical guitar lessons but I think I got to like grade four and then I stopped mm -hmm. and then a few years ago I tried to pick it up again I bought like books grade five to eight and then I picked it up again and then I quit again so I'm still on grade four I still can't read music I hate I hated mm -hmm. sight reading it's like the bane of my existence and I still can't really read it so yeah I, I, I don't know how much I took away from like x amount of years of learning guitar I mainly just use ultimate guitar and play chords mm -hmm. and tabs but mainly chords because I am lazy. I feel like chords are so hard for me. Huh. I feel like I can memorize like finger picking better than I can memorize chords. That's crazy. Okay, I just like m messed up saying crazy. That <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> that's crazy. That's crazy. <laughs> if we're imitating Joe Rogan, yes, that is. It's weird. I honestly, I just, I have so much trouble memorizing the hand positions for chords, but. It's probably because I just haven't spent a lot of time with chords. I'll play something like Rocksmith, where you where it's Guitar Hero, but with a real guitar, and it makes the guitar playing process very different. Rocksmith? What's mm -hmm. that? Is that a game? Yeah, it's like Guitar Hero, but you play with a real guitar. Holy crap! So on the computer. so you can actually like learn how to play a guitar that way, maybe. Sort of. I mean, the the problem is you're only learning one song at a time normally if you're playing the main part of the game, but they do have 
like uh, mini games that let you figure out how to play chords, how to finger pick better, keep tempo. They have lots of different guitar exercises that you can do that gamify it a little bit. But I was kind of always bored with the games and I just really wanted to pretend like I was good at playing songs. So that's all I ever did. That's pretty cool. I find with a guitar, sometimes you can just put your fingers on a random position on the frets and that's a chord. Like sometimes I just figure out shit that way. Oh, see, I've never even bothered to try to write music. I would assume anything I'm... Oh, not not writing music, but... Pretending. The only time I wrote music was, it was like maybe, what was it, 2012, I want to say, where I, like, I think it was like after a breakup and it was probably me procrastinating studying for exams. I somehow just like wrote an entire album very quickly. I even mm -hmm. like went on to translate some of the songs into Spanish and I was like composing in my head and being like, ooh, like a, a violin would sound good here. And then I deleted all of it. So now I have nothing. It's so anticlimactic. Not that you went and, and sold thousands of albums. Yeah, I, and I'll never know the world. if that could have happened. It's just gone. Mm, that's so sad. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like the equivalent of a dude breaking up or get you know getting into a breakup and getting really swole at the gym. Getting really what? You know, like they'll start lifting lots of weights and they'll get super buff. Have you not heard kind of this Kind of like before? that sequence in Rick and Morty. Yes. Like if I worked out a lot and then someone like popped me like a bubble at the end of it that's basically what happened with my music writing yeah that's that is right. yeah and that's all the music that i've run the first time i ever performed <laughs> i think this was also in 2012 i just like really got into music in 2012 i think this might have even been on craigslist like i don't even know if craigslist exists in new zealand but i'm pretty sure it was on craigslist i like found this ad some person being like i want to start a band or something i don't know what it was and so he was i i don't think they even think i knew this person's gender at this point but this person was like mm -hmm. oh let's meet at this open mic at this time so i was like cool so i showed up with my guitar and i was like really nervous because i'd never performed in front of anyone at this stage and so i showed up and then he like the, this person shows up and it's the person from the ad and it's this like quite old guy and so i was like i was really awkward about it and basically was just like he was like oh hey are you so and so and i was just like no and then like <laughs> But I still stayed at the venue. I just pretended that I didn't know this person. I don't know if like age was the only factor. He kind of looked a bit creepy, but you know, I'm, I'm probably, or mm. I'm probably just ageist and an asshole. It's possible. Thank you. And then I was just kind of sitting around waiting, like during this open mic. And then there, there was like no one there. I don't know how many people were performing. Maybe like, I don't know, maybe five. And there was like no one in the bar. And the guy who was like the owner of the bar came up to me because I must've looked really nervous. And he like took me to, like outside the bar and he was like show me what you got and so i played him the song and he was like if you get up there and play i'll let you win or whatever and i was like okay because i think the prize was like a 50 dollar bar tab or something and so i got up there and played it's pretty good <laughs> it's, it's something i got up there and played if i ain't got you by alicia keys which i had at some point transcribed onto guitar and then mm -hmm. yeah and then he let me win which was pretty cool <laughs> yeah and then that became like the one song that i played for a very long time so like in this kind of time, I, I, I think this was like also during the same period, the same time period, I entered some kind of busking competition 
Mansion in a mall and I got into the finals for that and the prize was like a busking license to play at this mall and I was just like I'm not going to use this so I gave it to some kid because I'm such a such a nice person and in the same time period I also went to Spain on an exchange and this woman I was on exchange with was like oh I want to check out this bar uh, there's like an open mic and I was like cool I'll come with you and then I ended up playing the same song so at, at each competition I was playing this one song but it was like a different audience so it was fine and now this bar was packed and it was nothing like anything I'd seen in New Zealand it was like everyone was seated it was almost like a mini concert type of thing where everyone was like dead quiet because you know in like a well you, you don't know because you're not in New Zealand but in, in like a New Zealand bar or maybe in the states as well like if you're if someone's like if there's live music going on everyone's like ignoring you not not you know no one's paying any attention to you but in, in yeah. Spain everyone was like you know seated facing the stage and just quiet and it was like packed and I went up there played my <laughs> one song introduced myself in Spanish and I got like a standing ovation and yeah that felt pretty amazing and then yeah and then yeah and, and it got even crazier when the owner of the bar came up to me and was like so he, he wanted me to open for this band that was the Spanish I know the Spanish band that was going to be playing at the bar like a few weeks from that point or whatever and I think the band members were there and they were all like yeah we want you to sing a few songs for us as well so I ended up opening for this band with just like 10 covers of songs or whatever and then which I basically prepared on the spot like I'd never played a 10 song set before I didn't even know if I had 10 songs so I just like wow. yes yeah, so I just like printed some shit and then played it I think I still have a picture of when I was on this program for you know this bar in Spain super random but like I didn't have a picture of myself so I just like drew with like MS Paint this picture of this like stick figure holding a guitar and that was printed <laughs> on this program and I had to give like a blurb about myself in Spanish so that was pretty cool but that that's pretty much the extent of my experience with music it was just all in 2012 and then it never happened again you had a whirlwind tour pretty much that's, that's insane <laughs> including I, yeah I toured internationally with my with my shitty covers that is extremely cool that was just a one-man show that was just me and I, I, I remember getting like I remember getting really sick before I opened as well and this I think this this always happens to me like anytime before I perform something I, I get really sick for some reason and I had to like you know go to the Spanish pharmacy and like attempt to ask for medicine and, th and they gave me this like the stuff that made me feel really fucked up so that was fun like Benadryl no it was like, like a lot of Benadryl I think it was like some kind of fizzy tablet or some tablet but it just yeah it, it might have had like a drowsy effect or something but it just it mm. ended up making me feel really out of it do you think it's hypochondriatic the I feel like getting sick before you no, perform, I feel, or do you think it's a legit I, I, I think it's because I get run down like because I'm I'm so inactive usually and then I think mm. leading up to a performance like that requires like at least some amount of work I think that's what it is that makes sense so so tell me about your brush with music mu your brushes my extremely unimpressively in comparison brush with music <laughs> yeah okay I mean mine was like very brief 
brief. Yeah, but it was a very impressive brief <laughs> stint. You know, in elementary school, I tried to get into music. I, I did trumpet. I did violin. I did piano. I don't think I tried guitar when I was younger. But all of these instruments, I would pick them up and then I, I would get really... I just hated practicing. I hated feeling like I was bad at something. I had... A, it was almost like a perfectionist problem where if I wasn't... Yeah, I remember feeling like that too, like when I was younger or the first time I picked up an instrument, the first time I picked up a guitar, I just wanted to be like good at it immediately. But there is that period of time or like a keyboard, piano, whatever, is that period of time before you get good, which I assume is the part you're talking about, which sucks. It really does. And I've had that problem with learning languages, with reading hard material. Like if I don't, and this is something I've been battling as an adult, if I don't immediately feel like I'm an expert in this thing, I end up dropping it. And I think I've missed out on quite a few things that I otherwise would have really enjoyed or been good at. Maybe this is like me. Simply because. Yeah, maybe this is like me with coding. When I started learning Python and then I like, I finally got to a point where I was like this, you know, I, this requires a bit of brain work. Well, like whatever. What a weird way to phrase that. Um, and then my like freaking requires brain waves. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and mind, mind nuggets. <laughs> Yeah, and then my 19-year-old brother comes in the room and solves it immediately. And that just made me want to quit. Mm -hmm. It really demotivates you. And so it's something that I know I need to work on just as a person. Because I don't think I'll be able to really enjoy life as much if I keep throwing away these otherwise potentially fun hobbies that I could be doing. Like if I had put all of that, all of the effort I, I spent either playing video games or wasting time re-watching TV shows into maybe some of these things and getting over and just enjoying the process of learning more, I think I, you know, could have done a, an actual performance somewhere with an instrument that I'm relatively good at. So the thing that I was able to do without too much effort was singing. And I did all of the stereotypical performances in elementary school and when middle school came around it was more chorus and group singing i never got into the acapella group because i really hated acapella but you know it existed i try i tried out for it and i just hated not having instruments accompany music i just it never sounded very fun to me to be the whole instrument you know what i couldn't stand in yeah. high school choir at that point i really hated classical singing like i prefer mm -hmm stuff with trills and stuff which which no one was really doing at that age in our in our chorus choir equivalent we would always sing popular music it was never it was never classical music when i when i started doing singing in high school and we would perform in in musicals it was a little bit more show tuney old music but it was never before 1900 like it was always more fun upbeat broadway shows or what have you so you know i'd sing girl Gershwin songs, like my Top Hat and Tales. We did Anything Goes. I really enjoyed performing in Anything Goes. I was actually on stage wearing nothing but heart, like boxers with hearts on them and a tank top. It was a very fun scene. But I, I've always I've always emphasized singing more. And then when I got to college, I kind of did nothing, unfortunately. Like I had all of this great performance experience. And then when I got to graduate school, I decided it was time to pick up some of these hobbies again. So I started doing formal singing lessons where I learned how to sing more classical music with these two very nice Russian women and I was also taking guitar lessons at the time. I tried dancing and I never really enjoyed dancing very much. Let's go back to the box of briefs. Was that yeah. like a main role? That was a main role, yes. That was that nice. was 
it wasn't like the lead role it was kind of like the b plot lead role like there were two other people who were the main characters and then i was the secondary dude that was supposed to marry one of the main characters but it wasn't right for her so i ended up marrying some other random racist stereotype instead nice yeah when i was in high school i think my final year like i think my first year in high school i auditioned for what was it wizard of oz and i got nowhere because i was so shy and then like five years later i finally picked up the courage to kind of actually belt out a song or whatever which got me through to the next round of auditions mm-hmm. and apparently i did quite well and i got a callback for liesel in the sound of music it was a very multicultural family that's <laughs> yeah and then and then i like i just didn't i screwed up the acting completely and then i got cast as a musical nun bummer yeah i think my favorite uh, experience throughout that whole production was there was this one point when like everyone that was meant to be on the next scene forgot or like someone forgot to call out the next scene and the lights lights go out and somehow everyone realized they were meant to be on stage and the lights go out and all you hear is just like scrambling and everyone like running onto the stage and kicking shit over and being like fuck and then everyone like you know eventually gets seated and then the scene begins yeah we definitely had blunders that happened during our performances too i think at one point somebody forgot their lines and they literally said oh shit (laughs) on stage i was performing we were doing a christmas musical and i was doing baby it's cold outside and the person i was supposed to be singing with had not shown up so i said man it's really cold outside huh by myself i will say there was one time somebody skipped a line and i successfully skipped around their skipped line and it worked flawlessly it's very proud of that <laughs> yeah i don't even know if yeah. i had any lines in that musical no i think i was just a singing chorus nun are you good at remembering the lines that you you've had or or, or songs that you've sa- sang before could you recite them i suppose i surprisingly could when I, I suppose the only time i had to was when i was in the law review at my law school a law review apparently it's like a thing that happens in all law schools it's like this play thing with like a bunch of skits mm-hmm yeah, I, I I never forgot a line for that, so I guess I could. But it, it's it's like a, a if I think about memorizing lines now, it's, it feels like a really daunting task. But apparently, I am capable of this. Well, what I meant was more like if I told you, "Hey, sing that song you sang on stage in Spain." Do you think you could remember the lyrics for that? Oh yeah, but only because I had sung that song like a trillion times. But when I was when I was performing on stage in Spain, I had everything printed out. I didn't bother memorizing everything. I can't remember. I I think I feel like there was a point where I did actually start memorizing stuff. I suppose it happens if you actually practice. In my case, I can't remember any of the songs I sang in high school anymore, even though I practiced them to death. Huh. Couldn't even tell you the titles of most of the things I performed or like I had to look up anything goes. I just can't. I don't, I don't know why, because I spent so much time with these things, but a lot of it's just inaccessible a lot of the time. And I find that really frustrating because I'd, I'd like to just be able to call upon that stuff. I mean, randomly. surely, surely like it comes back to you because like, I, I, I find myself if I'm like plucking on around on my guitar i still remember the guitar riff for what is it this like evanescence song that i learned when i was in high school i i can still remember this riff for some reason 
Mm-hmm. That really angsty Evanescence song that was in all of the angsty YouTube videos for a while. It was it was the chick from Evanescence with someone else. I can't remember the name of the song. Uh, I, can't, I don't remember that song. But I remember the riff. Okay, well, maybe somebody in the comments can tell us which Evanescence song you're thinking of. Yeah, I mean, from that very good description, I'm sure someone will know what song I'm talking about. Mind I'm you, I, sure think, I feel like she only did, like, one duet with... And it's a very distinctive riff. Yeah, so I pretty sure or you could probably look it up later and be like oh wait no it wasn't it wasn't an evanescent song <laughs> i oh, think it was never mind no no it was uh, now i'm thinking of another riff in my head <laughs> i'm sure I, I think we should keep discussing this because it's so interesting the fact that i can't remember this song it's very exciting that you can't remember yeah <laughs> great i'm starting guitar lessons on monday pro tip for anybody who's thinking about teaching lessons or like write a descriptive bio that justifies why I should pick you That's such a pro tip no one I mean, would I guess ever thought of that to, but... I don't know a lot of people didn't when they were writing their bios like two people did three people did I sent you three names that did that but a lot of the other ones they would have like two sentences I love teaching people you should pick me because I'm great and people like me and it wasn't like okay I've been playing for this long I can probably play this many songs I have experience with these skills in guitar or singing or whatever thing they're trying to teach and none of them read like resumes except for those people i sent you So what do you think about going into a career of music? Would you ever do something like that? That is a good question. Actually, during like my final years of law school, I was thinking of doing this. I wanted to kind of use my early 20s to spend at least one year giving it a go and seeing if I got anywhere. But then I never ended up doing that. Okay. <laughs> but would you now do that if you... Well, I'm at a, like I am at a weird place in my life right now where I feel like I have lost a lot of my passion for a lot of things and yeah i i i'm i'm like i have no idea what i want to do at the moment i think a lot of people are in that boat right now why do you say that covid well covid yeah i don't know i, I don't it's know really if it's... hard to have passion for things when you can't <sighs> see people or go out outside of your house a lot yeah i don't know if it is because of that maybe could be i've been hearing that from a lot of people you're not unique here as far as being dispassioned good yes just be glad that you're going to work and doing things as they far are as the, they are the baseline being unemployed and playing video games all the time. That was me for a little while, as I'm sure. And you got out of it. It's been it's been like quite a few people in the mm-hmm. not too distant past and present. I personally, yes, I'm present. I would say personally, the thought of going into music, I would probably only do it if I could perform a lot. I mean, that would be a given, right? Not necessarily. I could just be a SoundCloud artist and work on Patreon. Oh yeah, and not perform anywhere. Right? Do you mean? like you'd only do it if you hit it big if performing were a big part of it yeah like i wouldn't necessarily have to be popular i i wouldn't mind just going to bars and performing and stuff but i also need to make enough that i would be able to live not in poverty so <laughs> probably would have to hit it big then yeah which i've which i've heard is probably like a, most musicians yeah yeah i like i said i was only gonna give myself a year if i was to make it big great if not i would move on to something else because i wouldn't want to live in poverty either yeah being a lawyer is probably more lucrative mm, it's, it's i think it's more like it's easier to get a job as a lawyer than as a musician so consistently lucrative then yeah it's not lucrative in new zealand not as lucrative as overseas and it's definitely not lucrative to start out as a lawyer in new zealand interesting oh yeah the the like starting salary for any junior lawyer is really bad 
Yeah. What is it in New Zealand? I think across the board is probably like approximately like forty something thousand dollars New Zealand dollars. U.S. New Zealand dollars. New Zealand dollars. And that. Uh, what are New Zealand dollars to U.S. dollars? Really bad at the moment. I think one New Zealand dollar is maybe like sixty-six American cents, sixty-eight American cents something like that yeah if you were making that salary in in the u.s you would actually be below the poverty line <laughs> i don't even know if you can really live off that here like maybe you could pay mm. your rent maybe some food you'd be saving nothing that's for sure i don't know mm-hmm. yeah you wouldn't have much of a life that does not sound pleasant now especially when you have to pay for law school it sounds like a ripoff yeah i mean uh, we do have interest-free student loans so that's pretty good that is good yeah i don't know I how don't the government we have a lot of those like, maintains it you usually end up making more money back in taxes later on. Right. So as long as you have the pipeline running smoothly. But we don't because will end up, we, we have this brain drain uh, going right, on because okay. everyone leaves. Never mind around my age but I guess I guess COVID's really good for that because apparently a lot of people are coming back here. <laughs> that makes sense. We would go back home. Maybe New Zealand created COVID to stop the brain drain. The, the facts they don't want you to know. Exactly. <laughs> But yeah, going back to... Oh, I actually... Yeah, no, I actually forgot there was... I picked up music <laughs> again, maybe in 2015, and I had a brief mm-hmm. stint with a garage band. That's cool. Yeah, but that didn't really go anywhere because we, we kind of had musical differences. <laughs> <laughs> the stereotypical band problems. Yeah. <laughs> creative differences. Pretty much. I left just when we had a gig for like a, a wedding or something, but yeah. <laughs> that wasn't that interesting a story, but ties into... They really, really wanted to play country and you only kind of wanted to play country that was it that was the major yeah yeah that's what caused it sounds like a reason to break up a band for me makes sense in my case i never want to touch or hear country but you know well the this band originally they were just gonna do covers for what was the band that they were gonna do foo fighter covers that was it (laughs) And then I joined and we kind of changed direction. But yeah, no, 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 we, we didn't work out. What was the band called? It was called <laughs> Loud Noises, which was an apt name, I thought. What what a what a descriptive, inviting name that is. I, I honestly I love the name, but yeah, no, we didn't we didn't go anywhere. It's a, it's a good. They're definitely worse band names. <laughs> I can't think of any, but yes. Have you ever seen those? Uh, the first letter of the month. Uh, no, like the the month and then your name or the first letter of your name corresponds to your band name things on Facebook, those memes. They'll say something like some adjective for all of the months and then the first letter of your name will correspond to some random noun that they pulled off of Urban Dictionary and you get some really gross band names. Childish Gambino worked really well. That yeah. did, but Donald Glover's a genius, so I don't really I guess understand why there was any question. No, no matter what he would have been called, it would have been a hit. See, I knew Donald Glover before he was ever in Community or Childish Gambino or anything. What? But he was he was he was a writer on Thirty Rock, but I didn't learn that until after. I think my first I didn't interaction. I with knew him. him before that. What was he doing before he, that? Um, Stand up. He was doing sketch comedy on YouTube. Really? Yes, with a group called Derek Comedy. I've heard of Derek Comedy. It's like his equivalent of a Citizen Upright Citizens Brigade or whatever, right? It was similar. Yeah. It was like SNL, but way more like low budget and on, only on YouTube. Like that was their gimmick at the time before people were really doing YouTube stuff. And I always knew the guy was really funny because he was hilarious in these sketches. So when people would only refer to him as Childish Gambino, I had no idea what they were talking about. I mean, I 
I heard, yeah, I I only heard about him when he was on Community. I wonder if those videos are still on YouTube. They are. All of the Derek comedy videos are still on YouTube and they're very funny. The wrist control one is probably my favorite. Highly recommend that. Now, the other question I have for you is OpenAI is creating music now using neural networks that generate all kinds of different genres of music. Because you're a lawyer, this is an interesting question of who should own the music, who should claim authorship. So explain because explain the, this open AI music deal. They use lots of music from around the world to train these things to receive sort of a, a seed of song and then produce the rest of the song. And then you can kind of have auto-generating code that will produce more music, but it requires hearing music initially in order to produce. So what would you, music. what kind of thing would you be feeding it? Would you be feeding it like already existing songs or like a new song? That yeah. you've, okay. So songs that already exist. You could do either, right? I could write hundreds of hours of music to train this thing or i could pull the hundreds of hours that already exist and train it with that the the difficulty becomes the weight that you use for training these things can only occur because you fed it that music like i can't have this neural network trained using you know random sounds it has to be that music in particular which means that the only music it will generate is based on that original music but then what it generates sort is of. like new it'll sound yeah. completely different because it'll be unique in some some respect but it could never have yeah. learned how to play that music without first hearing those original songs. I guess, like, it's, you know, it's a different scenario. If you are feeding it music you wrote yourself, then there's probably no mm -hmm. issue there. But if you're feeding it, yeah, yeah if no you're feeding it songs that already exist, I'm assuming those musicians would, you'd have to pay those musicians for, like, a license to use the songs. It depends how those people would want to work with you, because in, in essence, it's kind of like a collaboration. So depending on what these original songwriters, performers, whatever, what they're arguing for, the output is almost like something that you've, like, say for a research, in, in like, a research example, you've collaborated, two parties have collaborated and made something together and they'd have to negotiate who owns the output it'd be something mm -hmm. like that i imagine now you know flipping this on its head a little bit you could argue that none of us living today could be able to really play an instrument without having heard all of that music beforehand and so our creative output therefore is shaped and molded by existing information the music we yep. listen to not necessarily in such a transparent process but we could never produce the music we would have without yep. having listened to that's that music that's before. an interesting point and and, you know, maybe that would go towards arguing that it's not a collaboration. It's just, and the AI should own, or whoever's, whoever owns the AI should own all the output. It's just an interesting conundrum yeah. of... For sure. Attributing the correct result to somebody. Now, the other thing about this AI is many authors don't like to put their name, like the person who designs the neural network and trains it and uses it to produce the music, don't like to put their own name as the author of the music. They'll put the organization that made the AI or the model name that you used for it. So it's sort of attributed to this this neural agent. What do you, who, If you were doing this kind of research, would you put your own name or would you put the organization or... Would you put the the name of the AI you were using? I suppose it makes sense to put the name of the organization, right? Because the organization made this robot who is doing the work. So it's it's kind of mm -hmm. like a band situation. Like everyone that was a party to like making this robot technically made the output. So it's not really like one person's work. All right. Now I download the model. I train it using my own songs. And then I produce you know, music comes out of that. 
what would you say is the correct authorship at that point then would you at say that point, me putting my right. name down or should i still put the you know ai well that's kind of looking at it from like a different angle that's kind of looking at it as if you know this is just the instrument that you used like if i made a song with garage band i'm not going to call it garage band you know mm-hmm. I'll, I'll call it whatever i want to call my band that makes sense it's just difficult to figure out the attribution because a lot of these things can feel like i had a lot less creative input into this than i would have if i were playing an instrument and writing all of the tablature and the sheet music out i think authorship in the future is going to become more complicated as these tools become more sophisticated yeah i wonder if because you're right it's very different because you're inputting a lot less than you would in like a normal composing situation so i'm wondering if the Mm -hmm. software would always get some amount of credit but i was i was playing around with sampling on GarageBand, and a lot of those noises already exist so if you made a song that's like maybe in between the level of effort that you'd require if you're using a manual instrument versus garage band versus this ai tool but yeah i, I don't know it's, it's just a, it's a tough problem because they, these things become more and more sophisticated and so many more man hours goes into them that you almost feel bad using them to make your music whereas buying an instrument is it's a little more impersonal you don't feel like whoever made that instrument deserves credit as much like i'm not gonna buy a pv guitar and then say played on a pv guitar in the in the bio as readily as i might if i had used open ai to generate the music i think the fundamental difference there is like the amount of effort and brain power you're using unless you're feeding it your own music but even then like it's generating new music for you basically while you're doing nothing so that's yeah. that's kind of the key difference between that and producing music any other way which is difficult i feel like i answered that very poorly no i think i think you're i think you answered it fine i would say that these are a case-by-case basis it's very difficult to make a blanket mm. statement that applies to all yeah. use cases yeah. for this but in, in a world where dmca take takedowns are happening more often and people are losing the ability to participate online you know in twitch people are playing music of major artists while live streaming because they've been able to for the past however many years twitch has existed and all of a sudden it's a problem and their vods will have these music samples in them that bots are just combing through to issue takedowns and then users will be banned on the website because of twitch not deleting them in time or the user not noticing that the takedown happened fast enough and people people's livelihoods are at stake and so the question of ownership over this music becomes more important in a world where i can download that music right now and use it in anything i produce and it being taken down can prevent me from participating online as easily as i used to before and i think people trolling these these services and the onus being on the creator who is a one person versus an entire conglomerate full of lawyers and money is not fair that i have to justify their claim rather than them having all of these resources and being able to issue these things without problem and i know it was probably written thinking oh well the individual might have a claim against another individual and it's really important that we don't have these individuals exposed like this where they're losing money that would be very important but it's being abused so much it's these bad faith actors are kind of ruining what would otherwise be a fine system what do you mean by a bad faith actor they are deciding 
saying that by issuing, you know, hundreds or thousands of these takedowns, all a thousand of those those takedowns have to be justified from those people that it was sent to. And it costs them virtually nothing to issue a takedown. And it can cost the other person potential lost revenue. They have to put in more effort to remove the audio from their work. And it just adds additional cost that would otherwise be inexpensive. And instead, the company should have to put more effort into justifying why they're doing this takedown. Like, here's this segment of audio, and it starts from here to here, and we notice that it violates this copyright, and it would be better if there was rules written around the size of the the person making the claim, rather than just simply who is responsible in the case a claim is made. Well, I mean, that would make sense. Like, why isn't that already being done? I don't know the law around it, but yeah, I mean, if you're gonna bring a claim, it sounds like you have to justify your claim. I, I don't know whether that is or isn't being done. Apparently it's I not. I don't think it, at least in the US, it can definitely, you know, it's also related to the fact that these companies lobby Congress to make sure that they can have these same privileges to issue these takedowns because it makes them more money at the end of the day. Well, the only, the only thing like that that I've heard of that I... I don't even, I need to verify this, but I heard of, for example, whoever owns Pokemon issuing whatever to people having Pokemon parties because that's like some kind of breaching something, which was, which is pretty outrageous. I mean, that's not even them doing anything to profit. I'm going to have to check this actually. <laughs> you know, there was a- Have you heard of this? I've heard of that, but e yeah. like even more dystopian and trolly is the family that owned the rights to Happy Birthday would sue people singing it. I had no idea that was owned by someone. It was, and they would sue for millions of dollars and they would just keep what? making money off of suing what? random poor people what the hell for singing this song and eventually it was brought into the common domain because it's such a ubiquitous song it didn't really make sense and it was definitely being abused but these very innocuous things that you would otherwise think oh what's what would be bad about that are being used to troll people i think it would it, it would only make sense if you know say there was a youtube video that used a segment of a song and then but if they're not making any money i feel like that doesn't matter if they do start making money, then to what extent is the song even contributing to their video making money? Because it might only be a very small portion of their content. If the person who owned the song were actually to sue this person, it should be relative. If it's just a metric of has this person profited from it, the question becomes more complicated if a non-profit uses a song or what happens very frequently in the US at least, a candidate for a political party might use the song for their political rally and all of a sudden they're not really directly making money off of using that song but that song enhances their brand and in the future they could end up with more money than they otherwise would have but there's no direct profit from that playing of the song the thing is when, when you play a song that's kind of free publicity for the song as well so this you know, musician it, is also gaining something from this it can get complicated if a if a political candidate uses that song people on the opposing party might not be interested in listening to that song anymore it's it's not so cut okay. and dry if yeah you know if pfizer the german company that recently came out with a potential coronavirus vaccine starts playing you know dora's we did it song all the time it could very well result in people liking maybe liking the song or yeah, they could viral. say 
for you know, reason. let's say Pfizer's COVID vaccine doesn't end up panning out and it makes people sick or, or something bad happens with how they delivered it out to people and the yeah. wrong people get it first. That song is all of a sudden sort of tainted in association yeah. with that. And so it's not always in the artist's best intention to have that song associated with them. Now, I don't think that means that we should all of a sudden start suing birthday parties for using music or various trademarked things. I just think that the law needs to be more pro-consumer and less pro-business. Thanks, everybody, for joining us for episode two. Next episode will be released a week from now. I don't know what we're going to talk about yet, right? We never do. Yeah. Maybe the community episode. Maybe we'll talk about community. Oh, let's let's not advertise something that isn't going to happen. That's fair. Eventually, it'll happen. <laughs> eventually, eventually, talk about eventually we will do an episode yeah, on our favorite TV shows. Yeah. No, that's that'll take me forever. I swear to God, I can talk about Eventually, it. Eventually, we will do an episode on my favorite TV show, which is Community. Yes. And then we'll also do an episode on It's Always Sunny. That is a good show. I, I could probably I could talk. talk about that for at least three episodes. <laughs> well, I suppose it's happening. Yeah. Discussing various aspects of it's always. And then this podcast will just turn into us talking about TV shows because we've collectively seen all the TV on the planet. Anyways, bye. Bye.